G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. So there was a rebellion in heaven by Lucifer and he took a third of the angels with him and they were cast out of heaven. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill and last time, if you joined me, we started a message from Pastor Jeff about evil in our world or what we might call acts of madness. Can we attribute these to Satan or demons? It's part of a series looking at how the unseen spiritual world affects our seen world. Pastor Jeff is about to pick up with a reference to Job chapter 38 how we can never fully understand God's grand plan and His numerous angels. Let's get back into the message now, here on Today with Jeff Vines. In Job chapter 38, in Job's question to God, why is this happening? To express to Job that you're never going to have an intricate, exhaustive understanding of pain and suffering and evil, He says, where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Were you there when I marked off the dimensions? Surely you know about the measuring line. Where were you when its footings were set? Who laid its cornerstone? And then he says in verse seven, while the morning stars sang together. Interesting, morning stars can sing, but you didn't know that, did you? And all the angels shouted for joy. What is this? Why are stars given a personification? Because in the Old Testament, Angels are referred to by three major terms. One, angels. Two, stars. And three, what is called the Ben Elohim, the sons of God. So in your Bible translation, when you read stars or angels or the Ben Elohim, the sons of God, all are representative of the same thing, the angels, the ministering servants of God. Now that's important because now we ask this. How many angels are there? There are billions, billions. According to the Bible, at Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus could have called 12 legions. One legion is 6,000, 72,000 angels. One would have been enough because in the Old Testament, one angel took out 185,000 well-trained warriors. So there are at least 72,000. Is that it? No. Revelation chapter 5, we're talking about the praise around the throne of God. He says, I looked up and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creature and the elders. And then they cried out in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So 72,000, thousands times thousands or Hebrews chapter 12 says they're too numerous to count. How many are there? I don't know. But there are billions and billions. We know that. Maybe 
The angels are as numerous as the stars in the galaxy. Maybe there's a star per angel. I don't know. Maybe every person who's ever lived had an angel or has an angel. I don't know. I do know, according to Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, that the angels watch over our children. Plural. More than one. At one point in time, what the Bible does teach is that God created billions of angels at the spoken word, and he did so before he created the heavens and the earth. Now, Here's what you do know about the angels. They're beautiful, they're powerful, but what you may not know is they have uniqueness. They have names, each one, and personalities, and ranks. So they're not all the same, flying around with little wings and playing the harp. You have Michael, the archangel, who's the super angel, according to the scripture. He's really fast. He's the general of the angelic army, a warrior. You have Gabriel, who's a talented angel, who leads God's army into battle and plays a little bit of trumpet. You have the cherubs. Now, the cherubs, these are not the cute little puffy cupids like we see on Valentine's Day. No, no, no. The cherubs are the most powerful angels around the throne of God. Strong, powerful, talented, beautiful. Now, why is that crucial? It's crucial because God gave something to the angels that he gives to us. He gave them free will. Why? God does not seem interested in giving or creating robots of any kind. When God creates, he creates for the purpose of love, worship, and fellowship. But love, worship, and fellowship cannot happen unless there's genuine free will. If you force somebody to love, worship, and fellowship, that's not real love, worship, and fellowship. How many times have you heard Pastor Jeff say, you can force a woman to do a lot of things, but you cannot force her to love you. Love must be given freely. When God created the angels, he created them for the purpose of love, worship, fellowship, and community, which means they have to have freedom to stay with God or to rebel against him. In order for worship to occur, you have to have the ability to feel and to use the mind and the will and the emotions. And the only way you can do that is if you have freedom. Now, why is that important? Because number one, the devil came from heaven. Number two, the devil is an angel. And his name is Lucifer. And you will find him in three primary passages, at least a description of him. You'll find him all throughout the scriptures. But in Revelation 12, we're told, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon. Now, we're already told that's the devil. His tail swept a third of the stars. Now, who are the stars? The angels. His tail swept a third of the angels out of the sky and flung them to the earth. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So there was a rebellion in heaven by Lucifer, and he took a third of the angels with him, and they were cast out of heaven. In Isaiah chapter 14, we're told, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. Now, that's the term Lucifer. His name means son of the dawn, morning star. You have been cast down to the earth. In Hebrew, it's Hillel, which means star of the morning. And he's not just any angel, folks. He is the supreme angel. How supreme? Well, if you go over to Ezekiel chapter 28, which I'll have on the screen for you, God is bringing divine judgment upon the king of Tyre. Now, the city of Tyre is a famous city in the Old Testament, but the king, if you were to look at his life, you would say, man, that is just evil. That's just wicked because he was ruthless, cruel, and godless. And now God is going to bring judgment, but as God speaks to the king of Tyre, he speaks beyond him to the power behind the king. The Bible assumes that when you have evil regimes and genocides and evil dictators, that there's a power beyond them, and it's the devil. 
So he speaks to the devil and you can tell in uh, the continuing in this passage where he says, you were the model of perfection. Who's he talking about? Lucifer, full of wisdom and beauty, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Was he in Eden? Yeah, it's the serpent, right? The garden of God, every precious stone adorned you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and the rest. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. And on that day you were created, they were prepared. Now, the New King James Version translates that like this. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. These are terms attributed to musicians. So not only is he perfect in beauty, adorned with every precious stone, but he's talented. And verse 14 says, you were anointed as a guardian cherub, not just one of the cherubs encircling the throne of God, but the guardian cherub. So I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. In other words, you were with God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Now you're starting to get the picture. We're talking about Lucifer, not just any angel, but the most beautiful, the most powerful, and the most glorious of situations who had everything you would always want in intimacy with God, except one thing. What was it? He was not God. And then we come to the five I will statements of Isaiah 14. For you've said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. In other words, I want equal recognition. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I, want to, I don't want to be just an angel. I want to be above the angels. I want to get the glory and honor due to God. I want to come to me. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. The mount is where God rules. So he says, I want to be the ruler. I want to be the authority. On the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Clouds in the Old Testament indicate the glory of God. So he's saying, I want the glory due to God to come to me. And I will be like the most high. I will replace God, take his throne, receive his glory, his wisdom, his power, and his authority. Now, let me take a breath, take a little pause, and ask you a question. That's kind of cold, isn't it, that God would give him so much beauty, power, intimacy, give him so much, and yet he rebels against God. I mean, what's that about? Whoa, that sounds like me. And you, doesn't it? Come on, let me ask you a few questions. Do you have a difficult time giving glory to God for the good things in your life? I mean, all the time? Is there not a party that says, look at me. World, look at what I have done. Look at who I am. Look at the talents I have. Please acknowledge me. You know what the Bible calls that? Ascending to heaven. Second question, does your life constantly point to your own glorification or to God's glory? I mean, how, how great is your desire for other people to notice you? How great is it? that others would glorify you and acknowledge your wisdom and beauty and power and your talents. And when they don't, you get depressed. You feel a certain sense of insignificance and you think, man, why aren't people giving me what is due me? Why aren't people recognizing how wonderful I am? You know what the Bible calls that? Exalting your throne above the stars. And here's the big one. Do you submit to the authority of God over your life? I mean, really? Do you talk the good game or do you really submit to the authority of God? Do you determine what is right and wrong for you? Or does the word of God determine what is right and wrong for you? And when you're making the plans in your life, do you consult God or do you make your own plans and then hope that God gets on board with where you want to go? You know what that's called? It's called sitting in God's seat and claiming authority over your life that you do not have. I'm simply saying that if we're not careful, you and I can become just like Lucifer in the way we live our lives. 
The devil came from heaven. The devil is an angel. The devil is a fallen angel. And if you want a picture of a fallen angel, here are a couple right here. Okay. I'm almost done. And we had to set this stage because where we're going to go from here is going to be, I hope, life-changing. What I'm trying to get you to understand is you keep looking for that evil-looking, ugly, nasty-looking Satan who tempts you and looks really, really scary. But he's a beautiful, talented, powerful And he will not show up in your life scary. He will show up appealing and it will look so good and he will seduce you because he knows what appeals to you. And then systematically, day by day, will attempt to destroy your life by that thing that looks so good. Now, if you don't have a comprehensive understanding of the truth of God's word, and an exhaustive understanding of how he works in the world, you will lose and you will fail and you will live your life that looks nothing like the abundant life, but one of death and destruction. And you will sit around with anxiety and fear and worry all the time. And you might even be saved and get to heaven, but your life will be a miserable wreck because you simply don't know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, I don't tell you this stuff to make you afraid. It's not fear we're looking for. We fear nothing but to have a healthy respect so that when he tries to get inside your mind and corrupt your life, you recognize it for what it is. And in the name of Jesus, you claim the victory and go forward. Now, this is our little time out before the end. And those of you who come to CCV know that in my messages, I'll take a little time out and address those people who are on their journey right now who are hearing this, and I know what you're thinking. How do you know? Well, because I've been in your chair before. So give me a little credit and listen to me just for a second, okay? I know there are some people in the room saying this right now. Pastor Jeff, you are just, I liked you. You've run it all. You're a crazy man. I mean, up until now, I really liked you. You're positive, you know, but now really, now you've ruined everything. I don't know if I'm gonna come back. Because if there's a devil, I got a few questions for you, Pastor Jeff. Number one, why did God create Lucifer in the first place? Right? And the answer is he created Lucifer to experience the joy that comes from serving and worshiping God. You with me? The same reason he creates everybody and everything. Oh, but he's evil. Oh, so let me get this straight. You want God to wipe out anything that's evil, right? Goodbye. You don't want any potential. As soon as God creates any creature with a potential for love and worship and fellowship, it opens the door for the possibility of evil because that's what free will does. So if you want God to remove every potential evil, you and I will be the first to go poof, we're all gone. Now you say, hold on. All right, I can follow you to a certain level, Jeff, but come on, this is the devil we're talking about. I'm just one person. This guy has enormous power. Why doesn't God just kill the devil? Drop a napalm devil bomb. Open up a can of devil blaster. Give him a Holy Spirit beat down. Right? Well, one of the reasons is because we're eternal beings. I've said this before. We are eternal. When God makes us, we are built to last. Angels do not die. 
neither do you. You know what I mean? You know there's a separation between the real you and your body. Everything God creates, the angels, you and I, with personhood and personality, lives forever. He made us well. And the decision is where you're going to live, with God or apart from God. And that's entirely up to you. But, 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 but Jeff, I'm, I'm not sure. I, the devil we're talking about, okay. Now, I answered this question in my book, Dinner with Skeptics. I devoted an entire chapter to it. I can't do that right now, but I'll give you a little synopsis, just one segment of it. According to the Bible, and there's some key verses, the existence of the devil glorifies God more than the non-existence. Whoa. Well, think of the cross for a moment. To a, a, a real degree, it was the devil behind the authorities that crucified Jesus. And yet, look what God did with that. Turn that baby right around. And what happened? God is glorified as salvation comes to the world. Sometimes you can't see the greatness of the glory until you see the badness of evil. My wife, we lost our first child in Africa, remember? When you lose a child in the African culture, it means you're cursed by the witch doctor and have to be thrown out of the village. We lose our first child. My wife, I've never been so proud of her. She stands on the stage and she looks at those African women and she says, I want you to know we lost our first child. She was in a car accident. But I want you to know God loves me as much now as he ever has, maybe even more. And he's with me and he will work everything together for his good. And when she said that, those African women just came to Christ in mass like they never had in any sermon I'd ever preached. God took that thing, he takes a disadvantage, turns it into an advantage, and uses it for the glory of God. Now, I know that's not the supreme, full, exhaustive answer, but it's part of it. At least it should get you thinking. But John MacArthur says, and I love this quote, God is going to allow rebellion to run its course to the very end till it runs out of gas and reveals to all beings and all creatures for all time that all avenues put together could never dethrone God. And when it is done, no one will ever doubt again that God's authority could ever be usurped. What we don't want to admit is that this is not about us. This world is about God. And he's looking for who will choose to be on his side and whom he can use for his glory. And all I want you to see in this first message is that there is an invisible world that greatly impacts the visible world and the same voices that spoke to Hitler and the slave traders and the Rwandan generals and the creators of child pornography and the orchestrators of genocides speaks to you. The same unseen world that pursued and captured them is the same unseen world that is after you, after your marriage and after your children and after your character and your integrity, but primarily your joy. Every good thing that God gives you, he wants to strip away. But he can only do so. Here's a little wedding of your appetite. He can only do that when you give him a foothold and allow him. He has no power over you. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You have to invite him in before he can wreak havoc. But so many of us are and do. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's life or death. Our enemy, 1 Peter 5, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, looking for the weak. Remember what a lion does? Look for the slowest. You don't have to beat the fastest. Just look for the slowest, most vulnerable, and get a foothold and destruction comes. Now, I'm just saying, folks, that we can't be superstitious, think the devil and demons are in everything, go out of here in fear. 
but we can't be substitutes to where we think he has no real power. Because behind so much of the things that happen in your life is an invisible force that is after you to break you, to crumble you, and to rob you of your joy. Now, let me tell you something. This is how I'm going to end. Let me tell you something now. It's going to be surreal when I tell you, so wait for the end because you'll be fine in the end. But you know that we send teams all over the world in the summertime, missions to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got four nurses. A team actually left this morning for Kenya, but we've got four nurses in Kenya. One of our nurses was shot two days ago in Nairobi. There were four of them making a home visit and they were robbed. Now she's okay. The bullet went through and through, missed vital organs, her shoulder. And she got out of the hospital, I believe this morning. I got an email between the second, first and second service right now that they're fine and they are deterred in no way from what they are doing. And I tell you this story because two days before that happened, 21 people gave their lives to Jesus. And my question is, do you think the devil is gonna let that slide? See, you're mistaken. If you think we can go out mamby-pamby in the world and do the work of Christ without opposition, as soon as you say, we're going to use our marriage for the glory of God, watch out. As soon as a young person says, I'm going to live my life for a purpose greater than myself, watch out. As soon as anybody says, I am going to die to myself and live for Christ, watch out. I'm just curious. If I were to become a Christian, what's the first thing I could expect? Battle. Oh, you think you become a Christian and everything's good the next day. Oh, you got no problems. No battle time. Battle time. You're now on the opposite side. Let's go after him. Let's go after her. There's one final thing and then I'm done. Oh, I am done. First John 5, 19 says, we are children of God, but the whole world lies under the control of the evil one. Jesus says, you're either for me or against me. And the lie of the devil is that you can slide through life and never have to make a choice or a decision. You're either on the side of God or if you're not on God's side, and by the way, remember how you get there through the cross, not by being good, recognizing that you're a sinner separated from God and you walk across through the cross of Jesus Christ and God forgives you and you're in his kingdom. And the most important lie that we need to know about the devil is that what he tells us is you don't need the cross, you're good enough, and in the end, God will accept you. Just ignore all this church and cross stuff. You're good enough, you've never killed anybody. That's the biggest lie. It only comes through grace and faith. And the Bible says, if you're not on God's side, even though you think you're spiritually unaffiliated, you're not. You're either on the side of God or you're on the side of the devil and he's gonna use you for his purposes. So my first question as we engage study of scripture, whose side are you on? Father, I wanna thank you for opening our eyes to the reality of spiritual warfare. I would pray in Jesus' name that our eyes would have been opened. I mean, we would recognize that there's a battle and it's to be taken seriously and that we can trust you for the armor.
And that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The prince of the power of the air has no power over us other than what we give him. So, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes in this series and that we would worship and rejoice that ours is not the spirit of timidity or fear, any anxiety, self-control and trust in the word, the truth of your word. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. And that's the end of this message. Next time, we'll continue to look at Satan's agenda and how to overcome it in the powerful name of Jesus. Join me again next time on Today with Jeff Vines. There's invisible world that impacts the visible world. And as soon as you immerse yourself in the kingdom of God, baptism is followed by baptism. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.